0: Whoa. Happy, happy, happy Sunday and welcome. It is November 21. And if you are here, you are here to rock and roll, put on your seatbelts for weightless and mind, body, and spirit. Let's get started with our beautiful theme song from you know who, Kenny Brazil Hamilton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Here we go. Weightless Weightless No matter
1: what people say You're full of greatness Greatness time you opened up your eyes You were courageous If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness open up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's
0: amazing. Good morning, happy Sunday, and welcome to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn, doubly board certified in family medicine, obesity medicine, and your master movement meditation and mindset coach, author of two best selling books. I'm so proud of my book, Babies. I'm in love with them. Meditation in a Time of Madness, a guidebook for talented teens, tweens, their parents, and guardians who need to thrive. And the journal, Meditation in a Time of Madness, Living, Loving, and Leading when it matters most. So welcome to this morning's show. It is actually the last show in season six. I can't believe it. Wow. Time has really thrown, uh, flown and we are in the week of Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and all of your beloveds. Happy Thanksgiving to the world. Happy, hopefully, hopefulness, peacefulness, joy, love, and light to the world as we celebrate the fall and winter holidays. Well, I have a very, very special guest on today's show, and I'm so anxious for you to meet her. But before we bring out the guests, as always, I invite everyone who's tuning in to say hello, drop your name in the chat, and let's be social. Let's be engaged. I want you to get ready for your questions because we're going to be talking about how you mend a broken heart. And we're going to be going into that in all ways, right? So we have weightless in mind, body, and spirit. And we have, what does that mean in our biology, and our physiology, when we talk about health-related issues? But we also talk about the metaphorical meaning and My guest today is an expert in both, so we're going to tie it all together. We're going to hopefully anchor it for you. Now, remember, this show is for informational and educational purposes only. We have nothing to disclose, no relationships with pharmaceutical companies, and watching this show does not constitute any sort of patient-doctor relationship with myself Or my guests, hopefully you have a wonderful healthcare team and that you will take any questions you have that it relates to you personally and refer yourself to them. And also, we want you to understand that what we bring when we speak about anything that might be in that health education world, we're bringing you the evidence base right? There's so much incredible research out there today that can help us. We just like to help you make it a little bit more palatable and a little bit more digestible. So we've got some people up here in the chat this morning. Good morning and welcome Victoria. Wilmington, Delaware is in the house. Tecido, Sunureo, these fabulous companies. The Gambia is in the house. Welcome, Excuse me. Good morning and welcome, Linda. Hashtag meditation nation. Good morning and welcome, Martha. Good morning, DMDM, our wonderful shows producer, and my husband. Good morning and welcome. Hey, good morning and welcome, Emma from West Philly. West Philly is in the house And Martha says, hey, damn glad you are feeling better. And yes, Monmouth County in the house, New Jersey. Good morning and welcome, Marion. So now those of you that are watching, this is a good time. Pick up the phone or send a text. Have a friend join in because someone needs to hear this information. This is very important information. And I hope that you will get out your pens and papers and take a few notes Because maybe they can't watch us now, but you can share some information, each one teach one. And as a reminder, this show is also broadcast as a podcast of the same name, Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. So I want you to be sure to go on over, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, because then you'll be able to hear the show and remind people that we're here. All right. So I like to bring my guest on. So without further ado, you're going to see the lovely countenance of my friends. And here she is. I always like to read people's bios while they're on air. So, you know, watch them blush a little bit. All right, all right, all right. And there she is, there she is. So, Vivian A. Caminos, MD FACC, a nationally recognized clinician and educator in integrative cardiology, is a graduate of St. Louis University School of Medicine. She completed her internal medicine residency and cardiology fellowship at Robert Wood Johnson University hospital in her home state of New Jersey. So yes, she is a real cardiologist. She is board certified in both integrative medicine and cardiology. She has practiced cardiology for 30 years, and has concentrated on integrative medicine and integrative cardiology for the past 15 years. She is clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine, where she completed her Integrative Medicine Fellowship in 2007. She is a founding member of the American Board of Integrative Medicine, where she served as vice chair and where she remains an active board member. She authors textbook chapters and curricula for the Center for Integrative Medicine on topics ranging from cardiovascular health and disease to nutrition, mind-body medicine, and obesity. She is a speaker and educator for her peers, medical students and residents, nurses, allied health professionals and the community. She maintains her clinical practice for integrative medicine, cardiology and wellness in West Long Branch, New Jersey close to her home. Welcome Dr. Vivian. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Carol. Thank you for having me as a guest on your show and Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining in. I can't wait to have this conversation.
0: We are looking forward to that for sure. And we'd like to welcome Carla. Carla, congratulations. Carla had a big deal this week and she is on the other side. Hey, good morning, Anita Jean, and good morning, James, I am sure. So welcome to this morning's show. So we, you know, let's Jump right into it. I have so many questions to ask you, and I'm sure our audience has a lot of questions to ask uh, before we get to our main topic, which is broken heart syndrome. I'm actually going to poll the audience real quick right now and ask them to drop it in the chat. Okay, folks, do you believe that you can? actually have a broken heart or is it just a metaphorical saying? You're sad and you're unhappy. Can the heart actually be broken, physically broken? So we have somebody who I think is a step. She might look broken heart syndrome. Linda's saying, absolutely. Anybody else want to Give a stab at it. And so when we say broken heart syndrome, what does that actually mean? Yes, it's an actual medical diagnosis. Hey, welcome. Good morning, Diane. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got some smart people awake early <laughs> this Sunday, Dr. Vivian. Yes, it's more than an emotional measure. Carlos says, yes, absolutely. Yet, and yet he, Mary, Yes, it can break you down. It can break you down. All right. Well, there you have it. I think they're ready for more. Go ahead and let's up. Oh, look, look, look. For sure, you can die from broken heart sadness. Your blood vessels can constrict. Oh my goodness. Well, let's go on into it. And I would like to jump in and well, you're the guest. So you tell your, tell your story about broken heart syndrome. Let's to. Also, this,
2: this audience looks pretty bright. I don't know how much I can teach, but um, this was back early in my training. I had just finished my fellowship and I was an invasive cardiologist. And I thought that I knew so much about cardiology And I remember one of my first patients who came into the emergency room with crushing substernal chest pain. He had an EKG that showed that he was having a heart attack. And I treated him the way we treated heart attacks back in 1989. I took him to the catheterization lab and I injected dye into his arteries. And I saw that his artery, rather than having a blockage in it, was totally clean. And I thought to myself, oh, I must have done a really good job taking care of this man because his arteries clean. But when I injected dye into the main pumping chamber of the heart, the left ventricle, the left ventricle wasn't moving normally. It looked like it had a major heart attack. Well, how could you have a heart attack and not have any blockage? Well, what I learned after I did the catheterization, which made me very, very sad, is that this man started having chest pain when he was at his son's funeral. Mm. And I was such a poor clinical physician at that time. I was so concentrated on the technical, on the diagnostic, on my angiograms. I never even asked him, what were you doing when the chest pain started? So this man was suffering from a condition that we hadn't even named yet he was suffering from a broken heart, also known as Takotsubo syndrome. The Japanese wow. the Japanese named it the next year when they started seeing cases of Takotsubo or broken heart syndrome. And this is an interesting, interesting, very dramatic example of how our emotions can affect our heart and break our heart. Did you wow. know that he, Ancients, the ancient people believed, going back to the Greeks, my, my great, 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 great grandparents, right? Believed that our intellect was actually in our chest,
1: mm. it was actually
2: in our heart, because that's where we felt our emotions, right? But nice. modern medicine quickly moved away from this cardiocentric view, and it relegated the heart to simply being this pump with a few pipes, I thought it was easy when I was in medical school and training. And that's one of the reasons I became a cardiologist. I thought I want to be a master in anything that I learned. So I'm going to do cardiology. I just loved it. I I understood it. I thought it was great. And this first patient was one of my best teachers and taught me there's so much to the heart. Just being a pump attached to a few pipes. Our heart is attached to everything. It's attached not only to ourselves, it's attached to you, it's attached to our environment. Everything around us affects our heart. So in a, in a nutshell, broken heart syndrome is a real medical diagnosis, Takotsubo. The good news is that most people's hearts recover normally within about two months. They, 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 most people recover. Whereas with the heart attack, you can have permanent
0: damage. You know, could, you spell, could you spell Takotsubo f- oh. so for people who would like to maybe look it up in the actual spelling? I hope, I, it, I, hope yeah. I could spell right.
2: It's, it's T as in Thomas, A-K-O-T as in Thomas, S is in Sam, O-B as in boy, O, Takotsubo. Um, the Japanese catch octopus or octopi in this pot called Takotsubo and the left ventricle, the main pumping chamber of the heart looks like this pot because it, it, it's, it's sort of ballooning out at the apex. So it looks like this pot. So since the Japanese named it the syndrome, even though it's been around forever, this syndrome has been around forever. You may have heard of voodoo death, right? Yeah. This has existed a long time and it's present now. And in fact, what's happening now, normally we only see about maybe 2% of the heart attacks we treat are Takotsubo. But now with COVID, there was this recent article published about two or three weeks ago out of one of the major hospitals who said that post within the COVID era, they're seeing about 7% of heart attacks are Takotsubo. So this acute emotional stress syndrome is is obviously worse now during
0: the pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely, and so it's very interesting. So now, most of you know I'm, I'm non traditional in terms of my path to medicine and medical school. So fast forward to 2008. It's August of 2008. I'm an intern at Robert Wood Johnson now, and you know it's true. Do not go to the hospital in July. That's when all the new doctors are being let loose in the world, and and I and I'm doing my internal medicine rotation. And here is this gentleman who very, very similar story that Dr. Vivian shared. About he's there, and it was like, Whoa, the arteries are clean. You know, he's been to the cath lab, all like this, and yet he is ill, he is sick. And when we did the imaging of the heart, You know, again, here, you know, intern, you you don't really don't know anything. You haven't had any experience. And there's this image and this heart is like got this boot shape. And to see, you know, you know what the heart looks like. Most people know what the heart looks like. But to see the heart actually change shape and form, it was the most startling thing. And similar story. This man was having a great sadness about his oldest daughter when this event started happening and unfolding, and so that's when I first heard of it and so of course you know i'm I'm just learning tons. Because how many times do you actually see something like that and see something, you know, for me, it was very, very early on in terms of my interactions with, with patients and being responsible for someone's medical care. And in this case, you know, acute care in the hospital on a cardiac unit. So he did become a teaching case, and it, it, but he was broken hearted over his daughter. Broken hearted, deep, deep grief and deep, deep sadness, and just as Doctor Camino's um, was sharing um, about the wisdom tradition coming from her lineage, coming from the Greek Isles, that you know how the heart and the mind were tied together. The chi- the, ja- the Chinese word for heart actually literally translates as heart mind. So you find that in Chinese medicine and in Qigong and Tai Chi, that this organ here is heart-mind. And we're going to talk about the importance of our emotions and paying attention to our emotions. So we have Martha commenting, we often hear someone passing after their mate pass. They died of a broken heart. Yeah, good morning, Kenny, and welcome. Kenny has written all my theme songs for any and every show I've ever done, so thank you. Marianne saying spouses die not long after their loved one passes. How common is that? And how many out there watching this morning, how many of you have ever had a broken heart or used that phrase in reference to self? I often say right now, as I'm going through the grieving process for so many of my family members that have transitioned since uh, 2020, that, that I am grieving. And when I ask myself, you know, where do I feel that in my body? I do feel it in my heart, in my heart. So, yeah. So, and so when you see spouses, you know, that die three, four, five, six months after their spouse dies. Is that Takotsubo syndrome or related yeah, to it?
2: That's an interesting question. Um, it doesn't have to be Takotsubo syndrome. Okay. Because what happens when we're under stress, first of all, um, it, it um, increases inflammation, right? It increases your blood pressure. It increases your heart rate you're setting up the whole milieu for having um, heart disease, right? So what happens is we become unhealthy. You know, Takotsubo is, is usually seen after a very acute and severe physical stressor or emotional stressor. But what we have to remember is that everyday stress can also be dangerous, right? So I'd like to talk a little bit about what is our stress response and how can we not avoid stress? Because remember, we're never going to avoid stress, right? It's out there. We can't control what the world hands us. But what we can control is how we react to it. So what we know is that it's not only these acute, um severe emotional stressors that affect our heart. It's also our everyday and chronic stress. And with a lot of the patients that I see, sometimes they talk about how stressed they are, and we forget, we forget what causes stress in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do is try to reappraise this stress response. So when you hear stress response, what do you think of? What do you think of when you hear stress response? I would assume that you're not thinking of anything that's positive, right? You're probably <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, this is this is dangerous, right? I'm seeing in the chat increased heart rate, trauma, increased inflammation, releases cortisol. All right, all good. I want you to consider, suppose you didn't have a stress response? Suppose you didn't have this autonomic nervous system with the sympathetic nervous system that when you're under attack, when you're under um, uh, infection, when you get hurt physically, if you didn't have the stress response, you wouldn't survive. So it's time to start looking at the stress response as our way to not only survive, but to also use it to our advantage to become resilient so yes yes yes. so from the time we are conceived we are exposed to stressors and the stress response allows us to survive if we're cut if the saber-toothed tiger is chasing us and bites us our blood clots quicker because the stress response activates our platelets this might be a good thing if you're running away from the saber-toothed tiger but not a good thing if you're if you if you're have heart disease, and you're under a lot of stress, and then your blood starts clotting. You could have a heart attack or a stroke. It allows more blood to go away from our digestive system into our muscles so we could run away from danger, so that we could fight danger, right? But that's not a good thing if our digestive system isn't working, right? You become constipated. You don't feel good. Our (laughs) liver doesn't work well. Our stomach doesn't work well. It's it's a good thing if you um, get sick with the virus because then your infl your inflammatory system's revved up and you can fight that infection. But it's not a good thing if your co- if your inflammatory system is not in balance and you're always revved up. It's not a good thing if your sympathetic nervous system is always on. So we need our sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight part, and we need our our parasympathetic system, the one that allows our organs to function properly and our brain to function properly without us having to think about it. So when I tell my patients the stress response is a good thing, it allows you to survive. And then we look for ways to start balancing it, right? So why don't we um, uh, think about it that way? And let's maybe talk about what are the modalities? What is it that, you know, what does Dr. Carol teach? She's amazing with what she teaches. She can help you reduce your stress response.
0: Yes, 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 yeah. And, you know, so for, for me, what I love working in this world of mind, body, medicine is inviting people to step into true self-care. Self-care and the fact that we're talking about the heart couldn't be more timely because so, for example, I'll, I'll share some other ancient wisdom tradition views about the heart. So in Ayurvedic medicine, medicine derived from the subcontinent of India, the there's a chakra system. And the heart is located in the fourth chakra. The Sanskrit word for it is anahata, anahata. And the work of this fourth chakra is around balance. It is around love. So there are many, there are embodied practices. There are, are, are breath work that uh, triggers this, that Cultivates this, and what we're working. I'll just you know go down my little list here. So, in Anahata, in the fourth chakra, we're working with love, balance, self-love, relationship, intimacy, devotion, reaching out and taking in. And when your fourth chakra is in balance. So this is like that whole mind, body, spirit. And this is, of course, there were no x-rays you five, 10,000 years ago. And this is how the healers would judge if there was heart disease they're looking for is a person expressing compassion. Are they loving? Are they empathetic? Are they self-loving? Are they altruistic? Altruistic? Are they peaceful? Are they balanced? Do they have a good immune system? You know they had to become observers of this. they had to be able to feel what was going on with you now, when there's been trauma and abuses, a person might be speaking of rejection, abandonment, um, loss, shaming, constant criticism, abuses to any other chakras, especially your lower chakras. If you're not eating right, but you're not eliminating. Dr. Vivian just mentioned it, didn't she? Constipation. That can relate to what's happening upstream at the heart. Also, someone put in the chat about trauma. So unacknowledged grief, including grief around your parents, divorce, death of a loved one, Being loveless, a cold environment, even the environment, if you are in an environment that's too cold. So, a lot in both Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about warming the chakras or they talk about warming the doshas. Um, In Ayurvedic medicine, and both the chakra and the doshas in Chinese medicine, they talk about the warming points in the meridians. We talk about conditional love. Conditional love can cause heart disease, can cause this inflammation in and around the heart, sexual or physical abuse, and betrayal. All of these things can show up literally creating heart disease in the physical body, and they are interrelated. So when the invitation for a person to show self-care and self-love comes through meditation and meditative practices, comes through understanding food as medicine, which you put into your mouth. So meditation is really thought as medicine, food as medicine, movement as medicine. And finally, for me, the, the fourth pillar of my approach to medicine is art and beauty as medicine. And any of those approaches can literally heal the heart and strengthen the heart. And it's so interesting. Oh, I started meditating, uh, Dr. Carol, and my blood pressure improved. I started meditating, Dr. Carol and the weight started releasing. I started meditating and I stopped having palpitations. My heart stopped racing because as Dr. Vivian has taken us on the journey, it balances the autonomic nervous system. So that is, and maybe we'll even have time and, and during the course of a show for a little practice that we'll do together. I would
2: love to see that. I would love to see that. Can I, can I talk to you a little bit about chakras? Because, you know, I started as a as a real conventional, conventional doctor, right? I, I I was taught, I wasn't taught about how depression anxiety and anger affect the heart. I was taught about, you know, measuring the left ventricular ejection fraction and the, and the, you know, the, the EKG changes. And, but what's interesting after a heart attack is the biggest or the strongest predictor of whether or not you're going to have another heart attack or survive is whether or not you're depressed so if you're depressed your chances of having another heart attack go up by two to fourfold so we weren't taught all this in medical school and i went to medical school and did all my training in the 1980s so i have um, what what's amazed me over the last several decades is the amount of research that we have collected and the evidence we have collected that shows how mind body modalities uh, affect not just heart disease, but reduce the risk for cancer, uh, reduce the risk for diabetes, for metabolic syndrome, for obesity, and for, for psychoaffective disorders. And more importantly, even for neurodegenerative disease, for Alzheimer's, for dementia. Everything we eat, every, every, the way we move, the way we sleep, even. We didn't talk about sleep yet. That's also important when our body can heal. So, but one thing I, I wanted to talk to you about, Carol, when I first started my Integrated Medicine Fellowship and um, we I was doing a healing type of um, uh, workshop and um, they were going to look at our chakras. I'm like, a chakra? I can't see that. I can't measure it. What is it? <laughs> so they used in an, in an, 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 a, a, this, this string with the little pendulum on it and they went on my body And what's interesting is the pendulum started turning. It started turning. And then they went down, 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 and it started turning the other way with one of the chakras. And I was like, that chakra is closed. That's not working well. So it was interesting that you brought up chakras because, you know, as as a scientist, what did I know about chakras? What did I know that acupuncture in some cases can treat angina better than a than a than a stent. I didn't know all these things. all this data is now coming up. It is so great that we have combined traditional medical practices that have been around for hundreds and thousands of years with our science now. what's amazing, and this is what integrated medicine is it's the combination of putting together the best of conventional medicine, the best of traditional medicine, the best of nutrition, the best of exercise physiology. It's not alternative. I don't like that term. Neither does Dr. Weil, alternative medicine, because what does alternative means? It means something else. But integrative medicine is the medicine of choice because you're not throwing out the angiogram or the bypass surgery when it's needed or the statin when it's needed or the aspirin. You're not throwing out acupuncture when it's needed and just practicing uh, botanicals, right? You're including everything. Yeah. You're including lifestyle, botanicals, pharmacology, um, surgery. You're including everything when it's absolutely the best thing to do. And that's what integrative medicine is. And as a, it's interesting. As an integrative cardiologist, I, I have to tell you this. I went to a conference a few years ago. And I, I was listening to this maven of interventional cardiology. I, he was one of my heroes because he was he was very famous. I went up to him afterwards. I said, "Doctor, doctor, I'm, 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 doctor Caminos. I'm an integrative cardiologist." And he just <laughs> stopped. He just looked at me. And he goes, "But uh, are you a real cardiologist?" And I was floored. You know how you don't know how to say the right thing when something, you know. And I go, oh, uh, uh, uh yes, yes, doctor, I'm a, I'm a real, I, 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 I prescribe aspirin, and statins, I, I, do <laughs> right. yes, I do that. What, but what should I have really said? What should I have really said? I should have really said, I look beyond the heart to everything that affects the heart. I am the real cardiologist. I don't just look at a little tiny. I didn't. I didn't. You know, obviously, I respected him, but. You know, when you when even some of my patients will come up to me sometimes to say, oh, but, you know, they think because they see me, I'm going to right away take away all their pills and, you know, give them some berries or 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 other thing. And, you know, that's not what I do. I practice the best of conventional and integrative medicine. So I just thought I would throw that in. In case anyone has any questions.
0: That's um, so important because those of us that are in this wheelhouse, um, the the continuum from integrative medicine, functional medicine, lifestyle medicine, it really is about, you know, getting down to the root cause, looking at the thing behind the thing behind the thing. And then hopefully what I like to, I like to say, I like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my clients, I don't even like to use the word patient necessarily to make myself obsolete. So I I don't give you a fish, but I teach you how to fish. So, you know, to how to hashtag repeat, do this for yourself and every once in a while, you know, good idea to come and sit and have that conversation if you need some some tweaking, you need some further understanding or this happened. And I don't know, you know, quite where this fits in with, with, with my wellness wheel, with how I want to take care of myself. And yes, you know, someone was um, dropping in the chat here, time to Hey, Nikkei, um time to upgrade our knowledge. I think that's Dr. Montgomery, Dr. Montgomery. And that's very, very, very um important for people to understand that. And when you were in the late 1980s, uh coming completing your education in Tradit- traditional cardiology, I was topping off my education in the world of the m- movement arts and movement sciences. That's when I wrote my, my which was to, not then, but soon to be published master's thesis. I have an MA in humanities from New York University. And that thesis was entitled Emergence on the Wings of a Whisper." Dance as a Creative Art for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And what has become one of the pillars of my approach to medicine is based on that thesis. And it is evolving, and I'm going to be a part of a think tank that's called, you know, Neural Arts, a Neural Arts Symposium. That's going to be taking place on December 2nd. We're going to put that there, scrolling across the bottom. So if any of you would like to join that virtually, this is the future of healing. And and that we're all going to be our own doctors, ideally. We're all going to be our own doctors. And there's, of course, where you can reach Dr. Vivian. And I'm, I'm extending this invitation. I'd like everybody to register for this um, incredible neuro arts symposium and really talk about what this future is going to be. So you know, so I was I, I was really finally t- getting very fine tuned around of a, a future that I had yet to live into, but that's like, you know, so that was like that intellectual piece that I was refining as a dancer and a choreographer and a performing artist. And one of my reasons, however, for becoming a medical doctor was that, you know, in in this society, in this culture, you know, if you've got that kind of education, that kind of degree, people tend to listen to you, whether it's warranted or not, but that's the acculturation. And, you know, people tend to listen to Dr. Carol Penn in a different way than they listen to Carol Penn, the choreographer and the performing artist. And I said, I needed to, you know, enlarge my territory and be able to speak on a, on a global platform. And so that was part of my motivation for becoming Dr. Carol Penn. And, uh, but it's so interesting. The, 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 centerpiece of my life's work Really comes out of Carol Penn, the creative, Carol Penn, the dancer, Carol Penn, the choreographer, and medicine, modern medicine is coming late, late, late to this, to the show, to the party. But the evidence base is overwhelming for this integrative approach to medicine. Uh, Good morning and welcome. Welcome. Yes. 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 Kenya. Yes. Please repeat your pillars. I love the integration of traditional medicines. So my four pillars are movement as medicine, meditation as medicine, food as medicine, and art and beauty as medicine. Those are my four pillars. And a lot of that comes out of my lived experience of what I know that heals me and and what I have seen be healing in the world. So many of the traditional cultures, Europe, Africa, China, Asia, have as a foundational practice movement. Where is dance and movement not in the world where is music? Not in the world. How many of you have seen a dancer, sang a song and then felt healed and transformed after that experience? And in fact, indeed you are. So I want to get back to Dr. Vivian and talk a little bit. You mentioned acupuncture a bit. How does acupuncture come into and play with this interplay with integrative cardiology?
2: <clears throat> oh, it's, it's really a great question because we've had some studies over the last decade or so that show that acupuncture, we know when we think of acupuncture, what do you think of? You think, oh, it's it's approved and, and often reimbursed by insurance for pain. We know that it can reduce certain types of pain, right? We know we, for a very long time that it could be uh, used um, in place of anesthesia. For some, for some cases, um, but what's interesting is we also know that it affects inflammation, it affects the brain, it affects our hormones, and um, don't ask me how it works, but we do have in our body meridians, these energy pathways in the body that the Chinese discovered many, 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 over thousands of years ago, And we've done these studies or not me, but these studies have been done in cardiology where um, uh, they will, let's say, take someone who's having a rhythm problem, uh, palpitations from atrial fibrillation, and they will give them an acupuncture treatment in the points that are in the cardiac meridians and the cardiac energy centers or what we call sham acupuncture, meaning the needle gets inserted in a point that's not in a meridian. So they could compare the outcomes in the real acupuncture versus the sham acupuncture and figure out, does the arrhythmia get less when it's the real acupuncture versus the sham? This is the same as doing that um, uh, gold standard of medicine called the randomized controlled trial, where you're going to give somebody either the real medicine or a placebo. We could talk about the placebo effect because that's fascinating. But what they found was that in some cases, acupuncture is as effective as taking an antiarrhythmic drug. They're finding that acupuncture is as effective as other treatments in treating heart disease. The other uh, thing that's very important in cardiology, not just for specific, um, for specific diagnoses, is that acupuncture reduces stress, um, helps treat insomnia. Um, electroacupuncture may reduce blood pressure. So acupuncture, if, if my patient is interested in it, I will refer them to an acupuncturist. So I, I find it fascinating. Again, not things we were taught, and um, things we're learning now. So in my practice, I'll utilize it if if um, you know somebody wants it. I don't do it myself. I refer them to mm-hmm. a, a true acupuncturist. Um, placebo and nocebo. <laughs> what does placebo mean? To please. So let's say that I tell you I'm going to give you something. It's going to make you feel better. Suppose you don't know whether I'm giving you the real thing or not, but you're going to believe it. Believing in it is actually about 50% of the time effective, as effective as the actual medicine. The placebo effect is about 50%. And they find that with interventions, if you say, I'm going to put, a tube in your heart and blow up the balloon and I'm going to clean out that artery or make that artery big. That's even a more, a more, uh, a, a bigger placebo effect. So it's really interesting. Same thing with nocebo. If you feel that this medicine is going to cause muscle cramps, it's much more likely to cause muscle cramps, Right. Again, yeah. it's this voodoo thing acting in, you know, this power of suggestion, this hexing. So when my patients take a medicine, when they when they have to take a pill, and I, I have to say a lot of people come to me because they don't want to take medicines. And if I can help them reduce or get off the medicines, I do. But if they need a medicine, do you know what I tell them? I tell them, I want you to look at this pill. I want you to put a smile on your face and take it with gratitude. Because yes. That's going to make it work better. If you know, I mean don't look at it and go, oh, this is awful. Why do I have to take this? It's it's not going to work as well, right? Because what's that's happening? Your brain is saying, "Ooh, the danger, danger." So cortisol's released, epinephrine's released. It's not going to work as well. So, you know, I have to take a prescription. Do I want to? No. But you know what? Thank heavens that prescription exists that can make me healthier. So that's it.
0: Absolutely. I call gratitude the magic emotion. It's almost impossible to be in the presence of gratitude that you're generating from within for yourself and have anything else going on at that time. And I say the same thing, you know, the... Well, there's the tradition of saying grace before you eat a meal. Well, guess what? You say grace before you consume your food, the body, literally all of those neuropeptides and proteins and hormones that need to be released for you to digest your food more efficiently are primed. That pump is primed and the food does better for you. So, you know, I'll oftentimes, particularly if I'm eating something that might be a little questionable, I just say, please, whatever is of nutrition of this food, I am grateful for and let me nur- be nourished by what, what is the substance that's here to nourish me and let all else be processed and metabolized and go through my waste system and be released from me. That's a very simple blessing that I offer, particularly when I'm on the road and I have to stop at one of those roadside places. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, definitely. So this is so funny. So Marianne is saying, I have to remember that for my next prep, <laughs> be positive. Oh, <laughs> uh, and Carla's chiming in, uh, Why Woo Woo Works by David Hamilton, PhD. Yes, yes, yes. And um, Kenya, Ms. Kenya is saying, I, I really appreciate Dr. Vivian's approach to referral within her treatment plan. Can she speak to some MDs' hesitation to accept, edify, or refer complementary medicines? Great question. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, the way medicine is practiced now is how? It's basically practiced as um, you're going to get reimbursed based on Relative value units on how much you do, right? And unfortunately, we're in, you know, the the medical system is broken. We know that, right? So when you go to see your doctor, is it easy to just get a prescription and leave? Yes. Is it easy to sit down and talk to your doctor for 30 minutes about everything and then have your doctor be a partner in your care and be your teacher? Because that's what doctor means, it means teacher. Um, it takes time. And unfortunately, the way the system is set up, you're not reimbursed for time, you're reimbursed for either testing or the number of patients you see, um, which is one reason why for a lot of us that are in integrative or functional medicine, we we have to say we don't accept insurance because it doesn't, it's not going to keep our doors open. And um you know, it's, it's, that's one reason. One reason is the way the system and the administration of healthcare is, okay? Because healthcare administration, administrators have ballooned in what they can make and doctors have decreased in what they can make. And we're, we're basically um, working on an assembly line, not me, but you know, that's how a lot of practices are run. The other reason why it's not easily accepted is because it's not taught. It's not taught in medical school. And luckily, we do have fellowships now. The Andrew Weil Center for Integrated Medicine is one of the oldest and biggest. But there's other fellowships popping out all over New York, all over major medical schools and what's happened, residencies. And they're being taught so that now our doctors of the future can learn about acupuncture and about how meditation uh, re, re, um, structures your brain so that your brain can work better, and you can have you know less less anxiety, less depression. Um, it's taught. We're taught about exercise. We're taught about nutrition. Do you know that in medical school I had only one nutrition class, and all I learned was that ADEK were fat soluble vitamins, so they're dangerous. I didn't learn anything. I didn't learn anything, and. What I learned in nutrition, I learned from my Yaya, my grandmother, who cooked every meal for us. I grew up with a true Mediterranean diet. So, you know, then I did more training, obviously, when I realized I didn't know what to offer my patients. We we say, yeah, nutrition's a cornerstone of medicine, but we were never taught it. So that's one of the reasons, another reason why uh, doctors um, don't accept it. It may not be their fault. They're just not taught it. So- Yes.
0: It's that not answers. not part of the traditional knowledge base, so they don't even know how to refer, right? You know, they they, right. they know how to refer to the other medical specialties that you're you're taught about when you go through medical school, but if they haven't Taken the extra steps to learn about nutrition. They've heard of it. We all had that same about two to four hours in medical school. You learn about the fat soluble vitamins, maybe the Krebs cycle touched upon just a little bit. Um, you know, they don't know about acupuncture. They don't know about the Meridian um, approach. They don't know about the traditional approaches coming out of the continent of Africa. They don't even know about the traditional approaches come you know the botanicals and herbs you know coming out of europe you know they it's just not taught but those of us who have gone into these different programs gotten these additional board certifications there's a small little army of us uh, that's um, that's developing it's in here yes
2: bigger. it's getting bigger and it's it's demand you guys yes. are asking for it and you're going to get it because there's more and more of us Right now, the Andrew Weil Center for Integrated Medicine is graduating two classes a year of over 70 to 80 uh, uh, practitioners per class. So that's adding another couple hundred. I know it's just a drop in the bucket, Mm -hmm. but it's getting there. And because we're spreading the news, other physicians who maybe don't have the knowledge and are not going to do the training are also learning about it. So that other physicians are now referring to Dr. Carol and to me, so it's it's going to it's going to to uh, be good. Somebody asked, "Is there an association?" Mm-hmm. You can uh, Google, um, you know, um, Andrew Weil Center for Integrated Medicine, and in it, there's a um, thing uh, called members. So these are all um, people that have graduated through the fellowship and then you can go ahead and uh, put in your state or what specialty you're looking for and find people.
0: Yes. Oh, uh, welcome. Good morning, Dr. Nosheen Dr. Nosheen oh, is Noshin, you, my you, Dr. Vivian. Yes. Oh, Nooshin, hello. Yes, and Dr. <laughs> Nooshin's integrative psychiatrist. And she, and she's also a, a colleague of both of ours, and we're both senior faculty with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. So that's another website that you can go to, www w.cmbm.org. And you can look at the plethora of programs and opportunities there. And some of you might decide you want to take our initial training program. That's something that you could do. And guess what? You don't have to be a doctor. You could just be be in that tribe. This is, well, what I want to do is I want to learn how to fish. And our training programs give people an opportunity to do that. We also have online eight-week programs that are skill-based where you can learn these meditative approaches. You can learn some movement practices, some breathing practices, some meditative practices for yourself personally that you can bring into your lifestyle. Um, Another organization that you might want to take a look at is the um American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and you can see um, practitioners who have gone through that training. You can go to the Institute of Functional Medicine, see practitioners who have gone through that training. Um, so yeah, so we're out there, and this is this is how you know you start to find this, and you also you know, start to learn how to fish for yourselves. So I'm just looking, we have got five minutes left and, um, yep. So here's, um, CMBN.org. Dr. Vivian, you're just going to have to come back in season seven. There's just way too much to talk about. You and you can say, like, audience. audience has way too many fabulous questions and uh, connections for sure, for sure. And yes, we're so happy to see you, Dr. Nersheen. Yes, Dr. Kathy and I are trying to come see you and and Matt. So more about that offline later. All right. So we have great information. So what I want to do is just to invite everyone now to, if it feels good, close your eyes and even place one or two hands over where your physical heart is located. We know from the ancient wisdom tradition of the Greek culture, it's the heart-mind center connected to all emotion. We also know this from the ancient wisdom tradition of Chinese medicine where this is the heart-mind Emotionally, we have in balance, it is the center of joy. Out of balance, it is the center of great anxiety. The element most associated with the heart is fire. So that flame to be lit from within. So let's take a nice deep cleansing breath in and exhale. Exhale. Take a second deep cleansing breath in through the nose and try exhaling through the mouth, maybe exhaling a little bit longer than you took to inhale. And do that again and notice, say, does this breath feel good to me right now in this moment? And if you really want to induce even more of a deep state of quiet and rest, parasympathetic overtone. Breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. And let's take three breaths just like that. Breathing in. Mm. Choose the exhalation that feels good and right and true for you right now. Again, breathe in. Exhaling either through the nose or the mouth. And one more time, breathe in. Ah, even letting a sound out if that feels good. Allowing the hands to rest gently against your chest. Knowing that beneath the skin, beneath the sternum, beneath the muscles, the heart lying there, its pericardium in its sac, beating, beating, beating the rhythms of your life, the emotions of your life, the possibility of your life, the joy of your life. And when you're ready, see if you can place a smile in your heart, mind, center. Allow that smile to bubble up to your lips, from your lips to your eyes. When your eyes are ready to open, and just feel that smile all over, inside and out. Wow. Well, thank you, Dr. Vivian. Thank you so much. It's
2: my pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Thank everyone who joined, I think. It's yes. Great.
0: What a fabulous way to start the day. I appreciate this information and the resources. Great info. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you both. Interesting and necessary topic. So, my last question to you. Dr. Vivian, my good friend, will you come back in season seven?
2: Absolutely. We could do a whole session on breath work. Breath work is one of the first things I teach everyone, and it's amazing.
0: Absolutely. We're, look, we're just getting all this love. I'm just going to put them up. I'm just taking it all in. Yes. And and so you'll be hearing from Kenya. Kenya's actually going to be taking on producing the show. So we're so excited to welcome Kenya. Yes, yes, yes. We loved it. Anita and James, Dr. Nosheen, Integrated Psychiatry in the House. Oh, Dr. Nosheen, I want you on the show. Will you come on the show, Dr. Nosheen? Yes yes again so thanks so much for an interesting show have a blessed thanksgiving i'm gonna ask kenny to play us out and i will meet you back in the green room dr vivian thank you so much and kenny thank you here we go greatest, greatest, no
1: matter what people say you're full of greatness, greatness time you opened up your eyes you were courageous if only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing listen No matter what people say Greatness. Time you open up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing.